This week's podcast brought to you by Carlissimos. I was driving our son around this week, as I frequently do, and I don't remember where we were going, where we were coming from, but we had been riding in silence for about 10 minutes, just the radio playing. He was lost in his own world. I was lost in mine. When out of the blue, I hear a voice from the back seat. It's our 10-year-old son, and he says to me, Dad, what month does September fall on this year? And I replied, it's the ninth month this year, as it is every year. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. You were gone all morning uh, running a basketball camp with our girls. Our girls were at the camp. You were running it. But it gave me, and our son was at baseball camp, so it gave me an opportunity to make a stealth trip to the grocery store. Right. You don't like me doing this. I've, so, I've so never said I don't like you doing it. The only thing I've said I don't like, I don't like being at the grocery store with you, but I, I have no problem with you going to the grocery store on your own. And I only get the things that you won't get uh, for me. So I was there doing the shop, doing my personal shopping. When I turned a corner and ran into somebody that we know, uh, I won't say his name, but it's it's Jay Reynolds. <laughs> okay. And he looked at me, and with cold, dead eyes, he said, nice shirt. And then he pushed his cart and continued on his, on his way, and I looked down, and to my everlasting horror, the shirt I was wearing that I've never worn in public, that I actually slept in last night and still had on this morning when I went to the grocery, was a ball and chain podcast t-shirt that you had made up and you were wearing it at the grocery store and saw someone we know who said nice with shirt dripping with irony <laughs> nice shirt well there's a before couple, moving on there's a couple things here we need to delve into a little bit first of all if i go out to the grocery store or anywhere i know what i'm wearing how how is it well first of all i never wear what i've slept in and second of all, when I go out in public, I know what I'm wearing. So how did either of those things happen? How did you end up wearing today what you slept in and then wearing it out and not being aware of what was on your body when you went out to go to the store? I'll tell you how. I woke up to commute nine feet to my laptop to write. And I uh, realized at some point that the dog was out of food. So I had to go get more dog food. So, I didn't feel like I didn't I didn't think it necessary to rent a tuxedo to go buy dog food at the pet store. And when I did that, seeing the grocery store next door and being hungry, I decided to stop in and knowing did you, of course but you also this morning when I was at basketball camp with the girls that's being run by the Northwest Catholic high school head coach. I'm just there is one of the people I'm not actually running. Well, I, I didn't mean but, to suggest you were running the camp. But, but anyway, you, didn't you have to drive our son to a baseball camp? So were you also wearing the shirt when you went out yes, to drop him yes. off? And then did you go directly from there to get the dog food? No, not that any of this is important. None, so none, you none also saw plenty. But, yeah, but, but why would I change to get in the car, drop him at baseball without getting out of the car? It's and, not changing. It's getting dressed. Like when you wake up in the morning, you don't just roll out of bed and go somewhere because you're in your... Presumably, people are in their pajamas. Like, you really didn't get dressed this morning. Right. At least right. Which your was top not, half. Which wasn't the point, point my top hat? Which your wasn't top the, half. Which wasn't the point of the story, but... Um, I know it wasn't the point of the story, but, but it's it's, okay. it's a little bit troubling okay. to me. moving on. It's... it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're talking about the grocery store, I was there last week, and um, I had a moment that I truly enjoyed, and that was that I was going through... The dairy section and, and getting some milk. And while I was reaching into the 
cooler to get the milk, I just hear this. There's a guy behind me, but I hear this voice, this woman's voice, and it's booming through speakers. And I realize that the the gentleman, um, we haven't said gentleman recently. There's a guy behind you who said in a woman's voice. Yeah, I I realized there was a gentleman behind me who was FaceTiming with, uh, I assume it was his wife. And I just heard her say, get the 2%. It's the one with the green cap. And we've talked about this before, how you don't know what percent milk we drink well neither did this guy and he went to the extent of facetiming his wife and so she could tell him because it wasn't enough to just call i'm guessing he he facetimed her so that he could show her the case of milk and she could tell him which one to get upon sight and i'm um, sure he like me doesn't drink milk so how would he not be expected to know and he probably goes to the grocery store as infrequently as you do and and i think i don't know if it was the same drive to the grocery store or a different one but i was coming from somewhere it was just me in the car and i had to stop at the grocery and i as i was pulling into the grocery store parking lot the dmx song i don't even know the title of it but it's but it goes y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here up in here anyway it was a song from my early 20s that was used to be playing in clubs and stuff and uh so i sat in the parking lot listening to this song as I went, then went into Stop and Shop at, uh, to lose my mind up in here, up in here. And it was just a, a, a reminder of how my life has changed drastically in the last 20 years. From, From uh, listening to that song in the club, in the club. to listening in, to that song as I walked into the Stop and Shop at tw- you know dusk on a uh, Saturday evening. And the implication is how much your life has improved how from, much in, it has in those improved. 20 years? Yes. Although 20 years ago... I may have woken up and left the house um, in the same shirt I wore the night before, but probably not. Speaking of shirts, um, this past weekend we were at our nephew's, one of our nephew's uh, high school graduation. It was a beautiful, beautiful morning. The weather was perfect. Sun was out, but not too hot. And we were on, their commencement happens on like the middle of the football field. And as those of us in attendance are looking at the graduates and listening to the speeches behind where the graduates are sitting. Look, watching them from the football grandstand. Right. We're watching them from the football grandstand. Behind where the graduates are sitting is the track. And at one point, you just pointed out the fact that there was a guy... In the middle of this somber speech-making and In the middle of this 90-minute, two-hour ceremony. And uh, kids, or graduates, and their families dressed for the occasion this uh guy was running around the track shirtless wearing only (laughs) a pair of like 1980s jogging shorts right to his credit he was a young guy he was a fit guy so it's not like he was not fit running around shirtless but still you had i don't know however many there were 200 kids graduating so however many hundreds of people looking at those um graduates and you couldn't help but then your eyes be averted and look up and see this shirtless guy just doing laps around the track. And do you think he, it was on purpose? Do you think he was just that clueless? Like, what do you think was going through that guy's head? I think every Saturday morning he probably runs around the track and his routine was not going to be swayed by the quadruple parked cars surrounding right. the high school for miles. But you pointed out as well that the adjacent eight tennis courts adjacent to the football stadium it would have been great if we had our rackets and we could have played a competitive profane right. uh, loud tennis match while the graduation ceremony was going on because that would have been um, you know 10 yards from the football field it was um it was a lovely graduation there were a couple performances by some of the kids who were graduating um, singing playing guitar that were really uh, really great. There were some speeches by the graduates. But one of the thoughts I had as as we're watching the ceremony take place was how different high school graduations would be if they actually let the kids who are graduating decide what the ceremony was going to be. You know, if, if the administration got a group of who knows, 20 graduating seniors together and said, all right, we've got 90 minutes what do you want your ceremony to look like? What do you want this to be? Well, perhaps one it, of the reasons they don't do that is because there was a graduation ceremony this spring in San Diego, I think, where the valedictorian went off on various teachers by name specifically and how much uh, they did not do for her. 
Oh, that's, that sounds lovely. Um, well, you'd still, of course, you'd want at least your valedictorian to give a speech, probably the salutatorian as well. But, um, you know, what things would you want uh, multiple members of the Board of Ed speaking? How many of the of the administrators would you want to talk? Would you, you know, what performances Zero would you want to see? But, um, but you and I have this conversation a lot, like when Little League... Um, Little League sometimes have their opening ceremonies, and rarely is it for the kids. You know, you get a bunch of adults who end up getting out there and talking, and, and you just look look at each other thinking, like, what about this is actually for the kids? So I'm thinking the same thing for a um, high school graduation. If the well, kids decided exactly, in an appropriate way, what their graduation ceremony was going to look like, how different would it be from what? most high school graduations look like now. Let's ask the only salutatorian in this room. What would it look like? Right. <laughs> I don't know what it would look like in 2019, but I should have asked our, our nephew this when we saw him after uh, after graduation. Like, wh- how, much of it, how much of it would change? I do know that 28 years after you graduated from high school, what... what, what um... I graduated in 1991. So yeah, 28 years ago. You were still telling me the narrow margin of defeat... <laughs> Uh, by which you missed out on being valedictorian. It, it didn't quite go like that, but I yes, I did bring that up at my at our, our nephew's graduation just to you. Your nephew graduated, by the way, with a the uh, Yukon Husky logo on top of his cap. Yeah, he's proudly going to be attending the University of Connecticut in the fall, and now two of our nephews, um, my brother's sons, will both be at Yukon. <laughs> Well, in case I didn't mention it last week when it could actually have sounded more sincere, I hope everybody had a happy Father's Day. I celebrated on Sunday by waving goodbye to you at 8 o'clock in the morning and uh, taking our four kids to the Connecticut Sun WNBA game that you were broadcasting. Yes. Which was a a stark reminder that I am a father and uh, in a lovely way to celebrate Father's Day. Oh, I hope it was a lovely way to celebrate Father's Day. I did I had to leave early in the morning. Um, I picked up Holly Rowe on the way, and she and I drove down together because uh, the, the Connecticut Sun were playing the Seattle Storm, and Seattle was scheduled to have a shoot-around at 10 a.m., and so we always go to the practices on day of games, and at 10.20 when no one came out, we were told that Seattle indeed had decided to cancel their shoot-around, and so Holly and I did not need to be there that many hours before the game um, for and a shoot-around. Unless you retreated to your hotel suite and nursed your wounds. Yeah. No, it, well, we then, anyway, there ended up being a few things scheduled. So, um, so yes, yeah, so instead of having breakfast with you on Father's Day and, and, and seeing all the kids um, wake up on, on Father's Day, I was down watching it in an empty arena. But, but it was a fun game. Uh, Gino Oriyama joined Ryan Rucco and me in the booth for the entire game to call the game, which was an absolute blast. And at one point, um, we were wishing people a happy Father's Day. And uh, and Coach Oriyama did say, you know, yes, yeah, Steve will enjoy being at the next writer's convention and telling everyone he spent his Father's Day sitting with the four kids at a WNBA game while you were working. And the I thought the funniest part of that sentence was the fact that he could picture there being such a thing as a writer's convention, a sports writer's convention. Has there ever been a sports writer's convention? Uh, every event is a sports writer's yeah, convention. Yeah, I suppose I that's mean, true. It happens multiple times a year. Well, I enjoyed the game. Um, my favorite part was probably when our uh, eight-year-old was bear-hugged by the sun mascot, Blaze, a furry... Uh, her suit, orange and blue creature. Right. And uh, the mascot, mascot, not our daughter. I took well, touche. And <laughs> I, I took a photo, took a picture. And when, uh, when our daughter was returned to me, she said, "Blaze smells like Fritos." <laughs> I, I would. I'm certain he does. <laughs> My second favorite moment of that game, of the game itself, was um, when uh, Janquel Jones of the Sun, who I believe has been the WNBA Player of the Week for three consecutive weeks now. Yes, the last three weeks. Uh, successfully, I think, because it happened right in front of me, contested a shot 
with her eyes. <laughs> I'd never seen that before in a game. And um, somebody for Seattle was uh, about to shoot a three. And uh, John Quill Jones was in the lane and came out to contest, but was getting out clearly too late to get her arms up or to make any physical difference in altering the shot. But she did, I think, alter the shooter's shot with her eyes because she sort of made a facial gesture as if to say, you know, watch out. Directly did, in my view, and, and, and I had never seen that before, uh, somebody contesting a shot with their eyes. Did the player uh, did, miss or make the three-point shot? That's what I'm trying shot. to remember. I don't think she made it. Well, because, you know... In, in, did you ever contest a shot with your eyes or have anybody contest a shot with a facial expression rather than a, uh, I don't a hand know. in your face? I, um, what, the part I love about that is uh, during NBA games, if a guy comes out and, and doesn't contest with his hands and Mark Jackson says, hand down, man down, what would be the... Uh, what would be the call there if I see someone, if it happens again, and I see John Quill Jones either contest a shot with her eyes or forget to contest the shot well, with I think, her eyes? Well, I think you can just say she contested that with her eyes. <laughs> I, I do know our friend, uh, our friend Alejandro Moreno, who does soccer for ESPN, uh, describes the, um, when, a, when a goalkeeper has no chance at saving a shot, usually a penalty, but he makes the dive anyway right he calls that a courtesy dive (laughs) and and i think sports we need more names for these things that have gone unnamed too long i don't know if you notice this at the sun game it's not really at sporting events i've noticed this but it's been watching tv or at different things but when did people stop start clapping weirdly like where they hold the one hand still and then they bring the other hand in. I don't know if, if I'm describing it right, but I've seen it a lot recently and I never used to see it before, but like an odd, unnatural looking way of clapping. Because clapping normally you bring both hands together and this is almost like you're delicately hitting one hand with the other and it's not a golf clap. It's um, it's just a weird clap. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I don't know exactly what you're talking about. And... and um I, people like a la- like laughing. People clap weirdly and in many different ways. And there's something about laughing and clapping are, are distant relatives. Obviously, you're expressing your your joy or approval. And um, but your and laugh is is your laugh. Like, do you think that a clap is th- like a laugh are, in that you only have one way to do it? There, and no, there are annoying. It, no, or? no, no. There are annoying. I mean, it's the same way people hold a hold a. a an iPhone, you know, some people talk into the bottom of it. Some people hold it out at, at reading glasses distance when they're talking. I don't know why people do half the things they do. There would seem to be one uh, designed way to talk into a, into a smartphone. There would seem to be one, you know, the way people used to smoke, you know, there would be different ways and different cultures of holding a cigarette. And, um, um, but clapping is one of those things. I only know of one way to clap. And it would seem to be the way most people would clap unless you were physically incapable well, of clapping that, that, that way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in, in the way But you some people clap, remember, by clapping the back of their hand. Yeah. With one, the open hand of one hand. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the way that you clap is the way that produces uh, the appropriate level of sound and doesn't make you look ridiculous. And, of course, I do understand that some people clap differently because they may have some physical limitations. I'm obviously not talking about that. And, and, and some people may smoke differently for the same reason. Right. <laughs> but just... I don't know. It's just something I've noticed a lot lately and, and sometimes even watching TV, people on, on there clapping. I'm just thinking, what would ever possess you to clap like that? It's bothering you. It does. It bothers me a little bit. Yeah, it's odd. And, and, and I'm curious about where the oddness comes from. You know what's odd? What? Clapping. I suppose. <laughs> Is that a universal thing in all cultures? Like to, to give praise, you clap? As far as you know, in your travels, in your sports my, travels, does I, everyone the, the, clap the, the, to show the, their appreciation the, for what something? What I've noticed most about clapping in my travels is there are other countries where it is common practice to clap when the airplane lands safely. And those places have always, uh, those, those airplane, uh, those, those flights have always given me a great distress because the obvious implication is you know, we made it. We made it. This this thing that 
you want to imagine as routine and and perfectly safe um, sort of is revealed as as uh, something that requires a standing ovation and it probably does honestly I'm quietly gr grateful every time we land safely but the expression of, of applause and uh, delight that we, we actually made it this time always gives me pause. Gives you pause. More than applause. And and not that much different from contesting a shot with your eyes is the two things on a plane that make me roll my eyes. Because I wouldn't say they get on my nerves. That's a little too strong. But one of them is that, when people clap when you land. And the other one is, and it happens in particular on Southwest Airlines flights, when the flight attendant goes through their shtick and they say things that I don't find funny at all because, well, they're not funny, and a bunch of people on the plane, like, guffaw. That it's makes nervous me... laughter because they're, they're – and that's what it's intended to do. They're trying to, uh, they're trying to dissipate your, your anxiety about being on an airplane on a, a metal tube with a bunch of strangers. Yeah, I suppose so. It, but it does. I'm just like, all right, enough. I, I, you don't need to entertain me. I just – where is the – Where's all the information I need to know? And um, well, are you some kind of a medieval king dismissing the jester? Enough, <laughs> enough. But he's not he, away he, with you. And you know what? Actually, it's usually a he. He, the flight attendant, is not a jester. He's he's a flight attendant who's you know I appreciate that he's there to keep me safe. I don't want to hear his little comedy routine that I don't find funny. And yes, it's almost always the it's almost always a man. The female flight attendants don't feel the need for this this you know, attention or feedback or whatever. They're they're happy with their lot in life, but it's these these men who aren't happy just just keeping us safe on a flight. They also need to hear the uproarious uh, first all, laughter. <laughs> first of all, you don't know that these flight attendants are not happy with their lot in life. And <laughs> and if they were flight attendants on the national airline of Poland, they could be happy with their life on lot. L O T. The National That's, Airline of Poland, I believe that oh, is the case. Okay. I'll have to look that up. No, and I don't mean in any way to be uh, dismissing or denigrating flight attendants. I appreciate what they do and the fact that they're keeping me safe all these times that I fly. I am right, by the way. L-O-T, lot, is the Polish You're airline. You also write a lot, so, and you write a lot. Anything else we can do with lot here? No, I think, uh, <laughs> I think beyond turning into a pillar lot. of salt, no, there's nothing we can do with lot. <laughs> Well, now for something completely different. I was at our uh, local convenience store this week, and the gentleman who I see there frequently who... Were you wearing your PJs? I was wearing my... my I call them my Carlissimos. <laughs> you were wearing your Carlissimos? Yes. My <laughs> okay. designer Italian PJs. <laughs> yes. Okay. You're at the local convenience store in my Keep carlissimos <laughs> and I, I passed uh, a gentleman who I see there on occasion and he was talking with another gentleman about something else I don't know what they were talking about I may have interjected some my two cents and the guys the gentleman one gentleman said to the other do you know who that is and I sort of stood up a little straighter my chest puffed out with with pride and uh, the other guy said, no. And guy number one said, that's Rebecca Lobo's husband. To which I said, with a sigh, deflating, I said, yes, that's me, Mr. Lobo. To which gentleman number one said, hey, 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 it's okay. I mean, Joe DiMaggio, even Joe DiMaggio was Mr. Marilyn Monroe. And uh, I said back to the guy, I think you, you may be laying it on a little bit thick in, in recovering from your... Uh, a little bit? You think he was laying it on a little bit thick? <laughs> with the Marilyn Monroe or the Joe DiMaggio? With the, well, with, clearly with both. You, sir, are no Joe DiMaggio, and I, sir, I think am I, no Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> but, but you are a Joe DiMaggio uh, in, in that you're a Hall of Fame athlete, and I, and I consider myself... The Marilyn Monroe of uh, amateur okay. piano. Oh, you're looking at it that way, then, of course, absolutely. It, it was actually a spot-on comparison. <laughs> if you make me the Joe DiMaggio and you the Marilyn Monroe, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we get to viewer mail? Let's get to viewer mail. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. 
We have voluminous viewer mail as always. And, and we open with, with uh, some marriage counseling, shall we? We shall. Oh, somebody's counseling our marriage? No, no, no. Vice versa. Oh, okay. Let's they would it. like you and I oh. as uh, the Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe, respectively, to... Well, let's just get to it. Hey, guys. My wife and I recently came upon a dispute we feel Restiva is uniquely suited to adjudicate. This comes from D's, by the way. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm ready. Young teenage son loses his away soccer jersey at a tournament. A thorough search of the premises yields no stinking polyester garment, at least not the one that belongs to him. At home, however, we locate an old away jersey, virtually identical, except that it is smaller and, here's the point of dispute, has a different number than the one he lost. The team is playing the next day. I say, this is Dee speaking, I say he should wear the old jersey because the color will be the same as his teammates. She, Mrs. Dee's, says it's more important that he wear the number registered with the league. I say he needs to be able to be identified by his teammates, as that's the whole point of uniforms, exclamation mark. She, this is Mrs. Dee's speaking, says if we, don't allow, if we don't follow the rules, the world descends into chaos. I don't really have a response to that, so I repeat what I just said about uniformity. Repetition is my move. What say you? <laughs> Signed, D's. I think one of our children has actually done this before where we couldn't find his or her soccer jersey and the boys and the girls have the exact same uniforms. So they borrowed, either our daughter borrowed our sons or our son borrowed our daughters because they needed to have the same color, but it was a different uniform number. I think as long as it's not the same number no, we've had as multi- one of your teammates. No, no, we've had multiple 16s on the field at the same time for for our son's soccer soccer team so i would it's in it's soccer it's more important to have the correct color i think than it is to have the correct number but you're the soccer person steve what so do you, you think? would you like my answer what's that would you like to hear my answer yeah of course i'm i was just giving mine oh, first oh, no, and, no absolutely and, I, I would invite mrs d's to come close to the speaker for this one so i can whisper are you are you listening i think she's listening she's listening the world has already descended into chaos <laughs> <laughs> it's over. The only important thing is that his he has the same color uniform as the rest of his teammates. That's the only important thing. If it's there funny. are if there are nine number sixteens, and the game isn't being broadcast on TV, it's not going to matter. This this makes me think. This weekend after my um my our, our nephew's graduation, having a conversation with my brother, and my brother is a judge. And he was relaying the story about how somebody was asking him as a judge. Um, It wasn't a a legal matter, but it was something else that had to do with rule following. And the person was trying to get his opinion and going through stuff. And and finally, when they got to the end, they got to the point, they say, so what do you, you know, what what should I tell my husband? And my brother, the judge, his legal advice for this person to tell her husband was, your husband needs to lighten up. Like, I understand why he wants to follow the, the letter of the law. But in this particular case, just tell him to lighten up. It's okay. And I just absolutely love that advice from his honor. It's good <laughs> advice. Up. It's terrific advice. It's almost always uh, appropriate to any situation. Almost always. Stephen Rebecca, I'm definitely not a pebbles, writes Mrs. Stony Curtis. Ah, hello. I'm Mrs. sorry, Mrs. Did I say Mrs. Stony? I Curtis? thought we were going with Diamond. Hello, Diamond. Mrs. Stone Curtis. Stone Curtis. Yes. yes. You know what I'm thinking of? What? I'm thinking of the Flintstones when Tony Curtis guessed it as Stony Curtis. But you can't put on a clean shirt when you wake up in the morning. But go ahead. But That's do you remember the, that? I don't. But Tony Curtis, the great actor. Yes, you've brought this father up before. Of Jamie That's Lee the Curtis. only reason I know it. Yeah. I've brought this up before? I think you've just mentioned okay, it in passing. Then I, yeah. then, I, then, I, then I won't bring it up again. But no, I'm saying why, that's the why, only reason why, why did all the Flintstone characters, why did they have to be named for a stone? I mean, was there any other era in, in world history where everybody was named for the building material of the day? I don't think so. I don't know. Would that mean make everybody in these days be named like iPod vinyl or siding. iPad or yeah, vinyl siding? Stephen Recca writes, Mrs. Uh, Stone Curtis, I'm definitely not a Pebbles, a rock-based name that you had suggested for her last week. Before we eventually settled on Diamond, but yes. She says, I like Diamond, but I like Schist better. Schist. Schist. Even though it's a medium-grade metamorphic rock, and it comes from a Greek word meaning to split, I think Schist Curtis fits me. A close second is Tuff, T-U-F-F, formed from volcanic ash ejected from a vent during a volcanic eruption. 
Following ejection and deposition, the ash is compacted into a solid rock. Tough Curtis. I like it too. Tough or schist? Can let's just revisit the first two letters we've gotten. This this is our listener. <laughs> the world descending into chaos and schist. <laughs> I would urge uh, Miss Mrs. Stone Curtis schist schist Diamond. and Stone Curtis to go Tough. down to the nearest courthouse and yes. have their names legally changed at this point to Stone Curtis and Schist Curtis. <laughs> And, and 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 when when they do that and they're given their papers that that the missus turns to the judge and says schist just got real <laughs> oh gosh okay um i was shocked schist writes to read your father's day tweet that your dad played football for purdue in 1952 can you tell us more about his time at purdue his time at purdue uh i wrote about uh, a fair amount about in stingray afternoons but his time at purdue was short he was there for one year he uh, he was on the Fort Wayne Central Catholic High School state champions, and and in January of his senior year of high school, he was taken to Purdue to participate in spring practice. Played there his freshman year, transferred to Tennessee, and uh, played uh, for the Vols. So um, and I was researching your dad while reading your Wikipedia page. There's no mention of him playing football at Purdue. Your Wikipedia page is hilarious. Did you write it? I've never understood how Wikipedia works. Well, schist. And she signs it, schist. I don't know how it works either. And no, I, I didn't write it, nor have I read it, uh, at least not in a long time. But people do tell me that it mentions that I, I wrestled a bear or I was a competitive bear wrestler or something, something like that. Something crazy. Yeah. Um, but yes, th- there are some really good stories about your dad playing football in college in Stingray Afternoons. Yeah, so I so. encourage schist to read Stingray Afternoons to, uh, to get some more of the details on that. On a related note, John writes... R&S, enjoyed your discussion on possible names for the wife of Stone Phillips. But it's not Stone Phillips. Stone Curtis. Stone Curtis. Stone Phillips was the... Is an actual human being. Well, so was Stone Curtis. But, but Stone the, Phillips is, right. was the anchor, the Dateline anchor, who was also the quarterback at Yale. Enjoyed your discussion on possible names for the wife of Stone Phillips, a.k.a. Stone Curtis. There's always already a talented Badger hoops player, University of Wisconsin hoops player, from Pennsylvania who goes by Diamond, and he takes a uh, encloses a link to... Uh, Diamond Bragg, sophomore guard for the University of Wisconsin. That's a great name. Bragg with two G's. Diamond Bragg. That is a great name. It's not as great as Diamond DeShields, who is now a player for I don't know. the I think Chicago Sky. Both great names. I'd both hate to great choose names. one. It's true. By the way, Stoney Curtis, when he, I'm going back to Stoney Curtis and the Flintstones, was uh, a, a movie star from Holly Rock. And, and there we go back to Rock, not Wood. You right. understand the, the reference. I, I gotcha, okay. yeah. Hi, Rebecca and Steve. We know a few more species than the sports and fast food logo birds. Last week we talked about birds we know, and, and most of them are either Red Robin logo of Red Robin or Orioles, Blue Jays, and the birds we can identify are either the logos of fast food chains or... Mascots. Although Red Robin's more of a casual dining emporium, wouldn't you say? I would, but I don't think that's his point. It isn't, it turns out, not his point. He says, but there's several types of sparrows and warblers that are just too numerous to identify to the casual birder. To us, they are LBJs, little brown jobbies. This is signed by Jim, hashtag we the north. So I'm guessing Jim is our Canadian-based Oh, so that's not our expert. resident birder. That's another. It, it's that's not a resident birder. It's a new birder. It may be our resident Canadian. Perhaps. But we we probably he's he's definitely a resident Canadian birder at this point. At this point. Whether or not he lives in Canada. Hi guys, it's Tim Eichen of the Oh My Eichen Bracket winning bracket for the men's side of the bracket challenge. Your discussion last week about sending out something to the winners of the ball and chain bracket challenge reminded me that I did not send in my mailing address. He encloses that. I listened to the podcast where the winners were announced in the car with my twin twelve year old sons on the way to school in the morning and they got a kick out of hearing my bracket name announced as the winner and speculating about what the winning swag might be. Set that one aside. Set that aside, and and we should also speculate about what the winning swag might be, but we'll do that offline, as they say in, in your business meetings. We shall. Speak of the uh, the devil, as it were. As your resident Great White North correspondent, so we're hearing from our resident Canadian here, uh, I believe I have at least the co-title after my pineappling story you shared in a previous... Co- this gentleman... Learned how to... Core a pineapple. After listening to you talk to, about our daughter doing that. Did he? Or did, or did he give us some weird pineappling experience, I think? Something like that. There was a pineapple involved. And, and I think pineappling as a verb was involved also. Okay. Uh, anyway, he, at the very least, he's, he's 
the one correspondent who has used pineapple as a verb. I bring you greetings from the home of the NBA champion Toronto Raptors. I'm writing this on the joyous day after they clinched. The passion for basketball is incredible in the city and across Canada. Wonder if the WNBA might consider expanding to Toronto. And as we were frequently reminded during the finals, if you're from Toronto, you don't pronounce the, the second T. It's Toronto, General. Mm-hmm. In Toronto, we already support the NBA, of course, as well as the Maple Leafs, the Blue Jays, the CFL football team, and a Major League Soccer team. What are the chances for, for or obstacles to a Toronto WNBA franchise? Rebecca, I'll hang up and listen. That's from Stuart in Toronto. I think it's an intriguing idea about bringing the WNBA to Toronto. The uh, the Yukon Huskies, Kia Nurse's senior year, played a game in Canada. Was it in Toronto? Yes, it I was. I believe it was. Yeah. They always play uh, at the seniors' home home uh, regions. Right? right, and Kia Nurse being from Canada, they went up there to play, and it had a great turnout. Um, it seems like there's a large contingent of WNBA fans in the Toronto area. Uh, the WNBA is, is ripe for expansion. There's only 12 teams. Um, 12, the, the maximum roster each team can have is 12, but many carry 11. A player for the Indiana Fever, Erica Wheeler, wore this great shirt to a game recently, and it said, one of 144, uh, because percentage-wise, the WNBA roster is the hardest professional sport to make a team of in terms of how many, what percentage of people from college make it um, professionally. So anyway, the WNBA has a lot of talented players who aren't on a roster right now. Megan Gustafson, by the way, is no longer one of them. She was re-signed by Dallas uh, because they have other players who have some injuries right now. But she was but originally, originally cut in training cut. camp as a national player of the year in college. Yes. So um, San Francisco is a really interesting um, place that the WNBA could expand to. But yeah, Toronto um, Toronto would be a, an interesting Interesting one as well. Natalia Chenwa, also from uh, from Canada, Hamilton, Ontario, I believe. Yeah, there's a, there's quite a few uh, very good Canadian players um, who are not only in the WNBA but playing college basketball right now in the U.S. Hamilton, Ontario, home of the Tiger Cats. Uh, hi, Rebecca and Steve. Writes our ball and chain resident librarian, Myra. Here's a topic that has come up in a couple of circumstances lately that lends itself to a music discussion. With the pace of play allowing for plenty of conversation time at a baseball game, my friends and I have been discussing what our walk-up songs would be. Of course, the music that plays when you walk to the plate. My song is the Jefferson's theme song, Perfect in Every Way, writes Myra. And as part of the 20-plus presidential candidate attempt to distinguish themselves from each other, their walk-up songs at rallies have been getting some attention. Usually, political candidates play a walk-up song, and then the band that that sings that song sends them cease and desist letters right, that they don't right, want to be associated exactly. with that candidate. Since we're neither professional baseball players nor are we running for president, we haven't quite figured out what action would prompt our songs to be played. So my question is, what are your walk-up songs and when would they be played? When you simply walk into a room? Or maybe, Steve, when you're introduced at upcoming book talks and signings, you could spring energetically into the room like the candidates trying to display their youthful vim and vigor. I like that idea at a book signing to have a walk-up song. I was going to be part of, when I was going to be a part of the event at the Mohegan Sun where I was moderating a conversation between Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi. It didn't end up happening because Diana Taurasi had the uh, surgery on her back. They asked me what my walk-up song would be, and um, I don't remember what I said. For me, I'd want my walk-up song to happen when I'm when everyone's sitting at the the kitchen table and I am presenting the dinner. I'm putting the dinner, you know, down. Because uh, I think that would be a good time to have a walk-up song. I just have to figure out what it would be. That would be uh, that would be a, an operatic like what the Patriots run into. Dun 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 boom boom dun dun. You know that song. Ah, right. And right. then I and then I put down the the infamous meatballs on a plate. The hate on a hate plate, on plate meal. Yes. Yeah. So yes. what, what? When would you want your walk-up music to happen? Well, I think I, I think a good walk-up song just. Thinking about this off the top of my head would be uh, also a wake up song when you when you wake up in the morning. I mean, some people obviously wake up to music. I don't, um, but uh, if you woke up to the same song every day, some kind of uh, you know, it couldn't be something like Walking on Sunshine, where if you wake up in a in a bad mood, it's just not that kind of a day, right? Right. Maybe. Well, you know what would be nice? Maybe we could have some like anticipatory music as as we as the family hears you come down the stairs in the morning. And then whether or not you're wearing the shirt from the night before, we'll play. We'll, like, it'll be like a...
if you're still in your PJs when you turn the corner My to, to, to meet the day. <laughs> if, you're, if you're still in your Carlissimos, if you're not in your Carlissimos, we get a whole new different song that we pump through the kitchen, I think. I think that's the way we should do it for you. Well, I was asked on a radio show sometime um, what, you know, while I was waiting to go on, they say, we're going we're gonna to play some introductory music for you. What should we play? You know, it could be anything. And, and so perhaps this would be my walk-up music. And I said, I immediately said, play I Can't Help Falling in Love, Elvis Presley. And they looked at me kind of puzzled. And I said, well, there's the line, wise men say only fools rush in. And I've had so many uh, pieces of hate mail over the years as a sports writer addressed to fools Russian, each correspondent congratulating themselves on their originality, that I thought that would be an appropriate play. And so maybe that's what uh, what I would be played on to. I just like the notion that you've had so many <laughs> pieces of hate mail that I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> Why are you sorry to hear that? It's, 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 it's a badge of honor to get the It's currency of the realm in sports writing. Um, I wrote columns for 10 years, and um, I wasn't seeking hate mail, nor was I even reading it, but um, but it came with the territory, as they say. Uh, usually written in crayon. Right from now, a, people can a, just go right to your at me, your mentions in Twitter. From to get a penal institution, yes, yeah. right. Although they tend not to, and I'd like to keep it that way. That, that makes me think. Holly sent me, Holly Rose sent me a text the other day, and all it was was a screenshot of an email she received that said somebody from some penitentiary was trying to get in touch with her would she allow them to um to correspond i believe she declined i've probably mentioned this before but i've gotten many many letters from our our uh, prisons we don't have we don't yet have a resident resident though a resident incarcerated listener yes um well many of our listeners currently will feel. be incarcerated <laughs> later on or they feel incarcerated right. while they're listening true Greetings from what apparently is the steamer capital of the world, writes Sean, S-H-A-W-N. I couldn't stop laughing at Rebecca saying, no, it's not called a steamer. Somebody wrote in, but their sloppy joes were called steamers in right. some, some benighted uh, region of, of the Northeast. Of I can't Doom. remember where it was. Right. Uh, and thought to myself, there are so many things about living here that other people wouldn't quite get. This includes arguably, I, I assume this, this correspondent is in Boston because of what follows. This includes arguably the biggest local icon being a donut shop. It's understandable they are terrific, referring, I assume, to Duncan, which is ubiquitous, uh, four or five of them in every town here Mm -hmm. in in New England, to almost surely the most decrepit professional baseball stadium you'll ever find. That would also be Boston, right? That would fit, yes, Fenway Park. This leads me to today's question. What local icon from the town that you both grew up in and the town you live in today do you just don't get? Well, I can answer that from the town I grew up in, my wife doesn't get, my wife, Meaning Mr. Me? Joe DiMaggio, oh. doesn't get White Castle. I'm not sure she's ever really given it a, a go, but... Uh, no, I have. I've okay. eaten at okay. White okay. Castle okay. once and okay. very much okay. enjoyed okay. it. Okay. I don't understand the... the sort of cultural icon. No, no, I don't understand the you providing our children oh, with okay. meals right. by purchasing them frozen at a gas well, station. Well, at the very least, you don't... Have, the, the practice of writing checks for for a dollar forty nine at convenience stores in Minnesota you, you've never gotten right, and uh, and the name Duck Duck Gray Duck instead yeah. of Duck Duck Goose, um, the things that I don't get from where I live now, it, it mostly boils down to they have to have a they have to have a contrarian way of doing things here just for no for no apparent reason, for instance, liquor stores are called package stores why I don't know. Every place else, they call them liquor stores. Uh, hot dog buns are sliced on the top rather than on the side. Instead of being hinged, they're just sort of split down the middle. Why? Uh, I'm sure there's a reason, but you prefer them this way. And and she'll deny this, but from the moment I, maybe not the moment, it didn't come up the first moment, but uh, from the earliest days that I've known you, you have called hamburgers Hamburgs. Now, now that is just sort of winding me up. That's not quite right. I call hamburgers hamburgers, but if I'm going to buy the meat to make tacos or hamburgers, I say I'm buying Hamburg. If you were to buy a, a half a pound of ground beef, you would call it a Hamburg? Which reminds me, you said the other day said something about purchasing a half a pound of ground beef, and I just had to laugh because I've never seen a half a pound of ground beef for sale. Ground beef is sold in increments of a pound. Well, you people, get a pound pe- of it, you can get two pounds of it. You don't ever go in and find in the meat section a half a pound 
of I, hamburger. I, I, I tweeted this exchange that we texted that I texted you. I asked you to pick up half a pound of ground beef so I could make tacos for my son and me, and you said they don't. You found it hilarious that that I thought they sold ground beef in half pound increments. People replied to me that you can buy half a pound of ground beef in Canada. Whether this is true or not, I don't know, but I'm taking it to be true in my defense. And I realized that, and most people said, you buffoon, you're going to try to feed your family on half a pound of ground beef. I mean, a quarter of a pounder at McDonald's, that's, that's like two quarter pounders. I wasn't thinking that. What I was thinking was, buy half of what I usually brown to make tacos. And what I usually do to make tacos is two pounds of ground beef. So I wanted half of that. So instead of saying half of one pound, a half pound, I should have said get half of two pounds, which if my math is correct, would have been one pound. Does that make sense? That does make sense. But again, it just, the first thing I thought of was I can't buy a half a pound of ground beef without going to the the butcher. And I'm not going to specifically go to the butcher just to get a half a pound of ground beef or Hamburg, as I like to call it. A high Restiva writes, Ralph, I'm sure you'll both be relieved to know. Now, Ralph was had petitioned his county board of bureaucrats. Oh, for the nets. For a net, missing net in a park. I think of the uh, at the park one one net was missing of the four. I'm sure you will both be relieved to know, writes Ralph, that a new net was installed as of this morning. So far, nothing from the county on it, but surely, Ralph's uh, good job, Ralph. See, he's made the world a slightly better place. By the way, have you been in contact with our our uh, the, the, the correspondent? I've been who- in contact with John J O N our. Um, who's at the sporting goods supply place in Connecticut, and he is going to be sending me some nets. I told him I would happily purchase the nets from him so that I could have a bunch in the back of my car for these moments, but um, he won't allow that. So he is going to be sending us some nets, and uh, and once he tells us the name of his sporting goods supply store, I will mention it and thank him. Uh, dear Rebecca and Steve, since Knights in White Castle is not yet available for summer reading... I should, I should interject that it will be on August 20th, but it's available for pre-order now. Uh, since Knights in White Castle, but, but Bob, with Bob, Bob, this is Bob with two non-consecutive Bs, he writes, by the way. Okay. So it's not, it's not B-O-B-B. It's just B-O-B. Just B-O-B. Got it's it. not even B-Y-O-B. Right. Though he may, may do that. But Bob with two non-consecutive Bs in Huntersville, North Carolina, writes, Since Knights in White Castle is not yet available for summer reading, I decided to read Road Swing. It turned out to be a bit tricky to find. It can be bought through Amazon. However, I wanted to use Barnes & Noble gift card. I also wanted a BNN connection to my BNC book club participation. Unfortunately, Road Swing is not available on the Nook, so I decided to order it in the store. Now, uh, Road Swing was published 21 years ago, about a trip I took 23 years ago. Still so one of the funniest things I've ever read. I loved Road Swing, but continue. The clerk noted that it was not in the warehouse, but that it could be printed on demand. So demand I did. As of this viewer mail submission, I have laughed it up through 80 pages of your epic journey and hope to finish by the time the podcast airs. How about that? I didn't know that that you could print any book on demand. That's kind of cool. But Bob has, uh, uh, thank you, Bob, for going all the trouble to read Road Swing. And finally, Amy. Amy's email is is headlined, and, and this could be a, a title of a podcast, Wicks and Grits. <laughs> okay. She's talking about Sue or candles. Well, let's, let's find out. Hi, Rebecca and Steve. A belated thank you for the swag that arrived last month. Oh, you're welcome. The magnet is in good company, and I see she has it on a um, some metallic surface, probably a fridge, with a Cincinnati Reds um, a magnet, as, as well as some other things. Uh, the magnet is in good company. I've been catching up, listening to old episodes, and keep thinking, why hasn't Sue Wicks been a guest on the pod yet? And then it was mentioned a few weeks ago during a discussion about crowds and autograph signing that you need to have her on the podcast. Please do ASAP. I should interject here that Denny Gallagher, our producer with one N and several hats, uh, metaphorical hats, has been on my case, as the kids say in 1974, has been on my case to get guests. In fact, he texted me last night and said, do you have a guest this week or in the coming weeks? And I replied, no. But uh, she's got to be at the top of the I list. Pu- in publicly, terms of I want to put the onus on you publicly. Yes, the to, onus needs publicly. to be on me, especially for Sue. She will be a phenomenal guest. Well, but we have to we have to hook that up. Okay. Okay. I, but that's the Wix portion, presumably, of the email. I also enjoy the recent discussions of old TV shows. 
writes Amy. Lately, I've been watching reruns of Alice, and at every opportunity, I work Kiss My Grits and When Donkeys Fly into conversation. I loved that show. I loved that show. (laughs) Never mind that the last episode of the show aired when I was two years old, and I'm from the city where pigs fly, home of the Flying Pig Marathon. That city being Cincinnati, I know. I see the Reds Magnet. But all of my relatives are from Cincinnati, and uh, my mother included. I should say almost all of my relatives, and, uh, and it was Porkopolis, thus the Flying Pig Marathon. On a basketball note, after supporting the WNBA from afar the last few years via the league pass and buying a few shirts, I went all in and attended my second WNBA game last weekend after a mere 22-year hiatus. That's all. The first game I attended was in 1997 to see Rebecca and the Liberty take on the Cleveland Rockers at Gund Arena. Last weekend, I made the drive from Cincinnati to Indy to Indianapolis to see the Mercury versus Fever and one of my favorite players, Dewana Bonner. Dewana Ball in that game. I was on a basketball high all week and can't wait to go back next month for a game versus the Aces and the Sparks if it works out. I will definitely plan on attending more frequently in future seasons. Have a wonderful summer putting up fresh nets, Amy B, as in bodacious. And she encloses (laughs) her ticket stubs as proof of purchase, her ticket stub from the Liberty Rockers game and her ticket stub from the uh, Fever game. I love that she still years has apart. the ticket stub from the Fever or from the Liberty Rockers game. That's amazing. The Rockers no longer exist as a WNBA franchise, but I used to love going there to play. Is it any wonder when fans put 22 years between their games? Well, I mean, but she's caught the bug and will return no, for I'm, a couple more I'm, this year. I'm kidding. And, uh, of course. And I mean that's that's great. If if anybody has a chance to, to check it out, the WNBA is is great so far this season. The Connecticut Sun are, are a little bit of surprise to some people with by far and away the best record in the WNBA. They're a great franchise to watch, as are all of all of the teams in the WNBA this year. So if you live anywhere near where they play, go and watch a game. School's out, our kids are home. We've survived uh, fifty two minutes in the basement without interruption. I don't think we should press our luck any further. Certainly not. So I think it's time for Tom Dick Hari to play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad Having each other's back Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pad Live in cuckoo nest Daily grind puts sanity To a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous While we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane